0: Hello, we're in the upper room with the Lord and his disciples for the final time in today's broadcast. This is your Bible study programme, Search for Truth, with your Bible teacher, Brian Johnston. Shortly we'll hear the final talk in this series, called No Room for Doubt, and this time we join Jesus in prayer. So Brian's called this upper room scene, The Prayer room. So. Let's go there now with Brian.
1: Thanks, John. The prayer with which the Lord closed his teaching and the discussions in the upper room is the longest recorded prayer in the New Testament. And it opens a window for us on the nature of his ongoing intercessory ministry for believers throughout this entire church age. For us to be permitted to hear the perfect man at prayer to his God is both a privilege and instructive. Even to note that he begins with personal concerns, verses 1 to 5, then proceeds to requests concerning his closest circle of colleagues, verses 6 to 19, before anticipating the expansion and development of God's future purposes to the end of the chapter. In that first personal section, our Lord says that he has glorified God on earth by accomplishing the work assigned to him. God created man in his image and to reflect his glory. He made a garden for him to care for. But while all creation was very good, Genesis one thirty one, it was not yet all garden. Adam, and presumably his family line, was to extend this garden and populate it until it reached the ends of the earth. To do so, they were given authority over all flesh. But Adam failed and fell. Jesus is the last Adam and the second man, as we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He came to undo what Adam did and to do what Adam failed to do. Praise God, Jesus did accomplish the work assigned to him. Now the authority on earth that the first man Adam lost will be regained by the second man and last Adam, Jesus Christ. This is why the Lord Jesus is now able to say what Adam never could say. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. John 17, verse 4. In less than 24 hours, he will say from his cross, tetelestai, that is, it is finished. Another theme running through the prayer is that of those who are God's gift to his Son. They are loved first by the Father, bought by the Son, and all this is put into effect by the Spirit. Although the mention of this is concentrated in the middle section dealing with the apostles, it occurs also in verse 20, in relation to those of us who have believed in Christ through their written word. Also emphasizes a theme in this wonderful prayer is the Word of God. The Word belongs to the Father, verse 6. Then we hear that the Word was given by the Father to the Son, verse 8. The Word was then given by the Son to the Apostles, still in verse 8. And then the Word was given through the Apostles to us today in the New Testament writings. This chain of transmission It's what ensures the authority of the Word of God as we have it today. We value the scholarship of those who write heavy volumes on this subject, but the devout believer finds all the reassurance that he or she needs in this prayer. Here we find the reason why we can trust the apostolic Word by which we are kept, sanctified and ultimately glorified. And this brings us to the beating heart of the Lord's Prayer it was that those he was then leaving behind would be kept and sanctified. This was to happen not by them being taken out of the world, but by them being absorbed in the word. It was to be by means of God's word that they'd be preserved from the world, from the flesh and from the devil. But inescapably, we come to the great emphasis of the Lord's prayer here. And that is for Christian unity. From this prayer, we learn... But the source of unity across the diversity of individual believers today is to be found in the glory that's given to us. And this glory given to us answers to the glory that was given to our Lord in his humanity. We read the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one, the Lord says in verse 22. Since this is described as glory that was given to Christ, That would seem to distinguish it from the glory of his eternal pre-existence. The glory that was given to him was displayed in Christ on earth, when through the Spirit he performed such signs as turning water into wine. John 2 verse 11. This is the glory that's described here as the mutual indwelling of Father and Son. Check out verse 21. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. The Spirit of God who dwells inside each believer also facilitates the whole New Testament community of believers to experience a corporate mutual indwelling in and by the Father and the Son. They in us and we in them. John 17 verse 21 says that they also may be in us. And John 17:23 says I in them and you in me. This is how our Christian unity is expressed. The goal of which is that others should come to believe in Christ. Verse 21. So the teaching John has been recording builds up to this point. We first have the unity of the Father and of the Son, whom he sent into the world. John 10.30, I and the Father are one. And this is explained as their mutual indwelling. John 10.38, the Father is in me, and I in the Father, Jesus says. This unity that's being explained as a mutual indwelling itself results from God's gift of glory to Christ. John 17, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. In the case of Christ, this glory of God was displayed in the incarnation at times and places such as Cana, when by the Spirit he performed his mighty signs. It was then further given by Christ to his own. John 17, verse 22, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. When given to us, it becomes likewise the basis for our Christian unity. John seventeen twenty two, 22, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. Our Christian unity is then explained in similar terms to theirs, as being our corporate mutual indwelling in and by the persons of the Godhead, in other words, they in us and we in them. John 17:21 says that they also may be in us, and John 17:23 says, I in them and you in me. And so we recall that this is patterned on the unity of the Godhead persons themselves, which we saw at the first, is also explained as their mutual indwelling. This becomes possible when believers are sanctified in the word of truth. This is the present glory of God's house, his temple, his habitation in the Spirit who came at Pentecost. What we're saying is this, the same Spirit that came upon Jesus also descended to be in us at Pentecost. The Spirit of glory communicates the glory of God, in the Lord's own case and in ours. This is the glory of the spiritual house today, when the Spirit descended to take up his residence, Acts chapter 2 and Ephesians 2, verse 22. It's the glory that brings about the unity Jesus prays for here in John chapter 17, where it's further revealed as being our corporate mutual indwelling in and by the Father and Son through the Spirit. These three gifts contained in this prayer, first, the Father's gift of believers to his Son, second, the gift of God's Word in its chain of transmission down to us in our Bibles, and third, the gift of glory that brings about Christian unity. As we've seen, this is a unity that finds both its analogy and its pattern of expression in the mutually indwelling relationship of Father and Son. In closing his prayer, our Lord earnestly desires that those who are now his should see his glory. Verse 24. Perhaps we think back to Joseph, wanting his whole family to come to see his compensating glory in Egypt. King David in the Psalms spoke about seeing God's glory in the sanctuary, Psalm 63. Could it be that the answer to this request of our Lord begins now in the holies in heaven above, as God's worshipping people enter together and see the Lord? A Christian hymn says, gazing on the Lord in glory while our hearts in worship bow. Of course, its fullest realisation will be in eternity. But for now, we must exit the prayer room and so conclude our series of studies from the upper room. It truly is a room that removes all doubt.
0: For the final time in this series of talks, I remind you again that there's a book available which contains the complete series and you can obtain a copy either by downloading it at churchesofgod.info forward slash media or you could write to us and ask for a hard copy book be posted to you. Just ask for the book title No Room for Doubt. You can use email or the post to request one and first Here's our postal address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, sn 8 dy UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, you may be interested to know that if you go to the website I just mentioned, that's at churchesofgod.info, forward slash media, you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off air, that is by audio podcast or mp3 versions. So why not have a go and see what you can find to enjoy. So many thanks once again for the privilege of your company today and sharing your time with me. I really do appreciate your interest and so do the team here. Next time we begin a brand new series. And I really do hope you'll be able to join me. But now I must say goodbye and leave you with very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings.